Stories are the lifeblood of how you keep your, your, your history alive. And in our home, when it comes to storytelling, there's this, there's this rumor around that Dana tells stories different than I tell stories. Now, I know that comes as a shock to those of you who know us very well, but Dana, let's just say that Dana's priority in telling a story is accuracy. She wants to make sure that she gets it right and accurate. My priority when I tell a story is entertainment. I want to make sure that people keep listening. And so I tend to remember things a little bit different than Dana does, and I certainly tell the stories different than Dana would. And this is only natural. If you think about any event that you've shared with someone that you know, and when you went back later to tell the story of that event, well, it was vastly different between you and the other person. It's true of that, like that in the Gospels. We have four biographies of the life of Jesus, and each of them come to the end of his life and the crucifixion and resurrection. And the stories have different details, different particulars. It's only right that they do. They're written by four dramatically different guys. One was a, a Jewish tax collector. One was a, a Greek young man who hang around, hung around with Peter and kind of got the story from him. One was a doctor and a physician and a historian, kind of an academic. And then one was the beloved um, apostle, John, who was also Jewish. And so th that they come out a little bit different um, is not surprising. In fact, it's actually a credibility to their accuracy that they're not exactly the same. Whenever you find two stories of about a certain event that happened in the past and they're almost identical, we call that collaboration. The police are suspicious of those kinds of witnesses because they recognize that what's going on is, is there's been some kind of a work to try to get things right. The gospels don't do that. They're refreshingly different with different parts of the story. We want to take some time and, and spend in, uh, take the Matthew biography, the, what we call the Gospels, take the Matthew's uh, perspective on this resurrection story and just kind of break it down a little bit with you um, this Easter. Matthew 28, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to look at the tomb. Now this phrase, after the Sabbath on the first day of the week was actually pivotal for, for later churchmen dating when Easter should happen. Mark would say when the Sabbath was over, Luke would say on the first day of the week very early, and then John would say on the first day of the week while it was still dark. Here we have on that, uh, after the Sabbath on dawn of the first day of the week. Now, what is it talking about and what's going on? Well, what happens is that it's, it's tied into the Jewish um, holiday season around Passover. Have you ever wondered? I have. I've, I've, have you ever wondered why Easter seems to bounce around so much? I mean, it can be in it can be in late March, or it can be all the way in late April. It actually is over a month span where it can kind of fall. And I've often wondered what's going on there. And here's I, this past year, I had someone explain it to me. Let me see if I can help you with it. The um, they wait for. After March 21st, which is the, east, the spring equinox, 
Then there's what's called the next, the next full moon is called the Paschal moon, which is in uh, Aramaic is a, uh, in a brief, it's a way of saying Passover. And so after March 21st, the Jewish calendar would work when once the, the, the days were then began being longer than they were, um, you know, had more light than darkness. Then they wait for a full moon. And then after that, then the Sabbath after the full moon, the first Sabbath after the full moon is when Easter falls. So you wait for March 21st, then a full moon. And you, we experienced a beautiful full moon this past week. March 21st, first full moon, next Sabbath is Easter. Earliest it can happen is March 22nd. Latest it can happen is actually April 25th. And um, that doesn't happen very often when it's that late. Now, because we can go back with the computers and things and kind of do some things in terms of figuring it out, we can actually take what's our best guess for that first Easter. And that first Easter, I think the best guess, there, this is, I don't know, so please, I don't know this, um, but my best guess based on the resources that I've found is it was April 3rd, 33 AD, which means that sunrise, dawn on that day because of the computers that we have, they can go back. It was at 548 and 46 seconds. So we can actually know because the resurrection of Christ is a historical event, we can actually know that. Now there's another phrase in this first little sentence that I thought was interesting too, and it was the other Mary. Now it's interesting if you take all of the different accounts, you realize that there were at least three Marys around the cross. There was Mary, the mother of Christ. There was Mary Magdalene. And then there was the other Mary, who is Mary, the mother of Jacob and James. And John 19 says that she's also Mary, the wife of Clopas. These are probably the same women. It, if your name is Mary or a part of your name, you have a great heritage because they're there was really no men around by the time the crucifixion happened. We, the men had all flee. They all flee and run for their lives. The women hang in there and stay there. And there were three Marys at least. Verse two, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now, the gospel, several of the gospels will mention the stone, but it's only Matthew that talks about the angel rolling it away. We learned in an earlier chapter in Matthew 27 that this, this stone that sealed the tomb was also sealed with a Roman seal, which basically represents the power of the most powerful government in the world. And then the power also from the religious establishment of Jesus today is also behind this seal as they're trying to keep people from stealing the body. They were afraid that somebody might steal the body. So they seal this thing up and, and make it very difficult and to get to. And it says that an angel rolls this stone away. Now the stone was there not to keep Jesus in um, or to keep you know, people out. And originally it was there just to try to keep these rumors from being started. But what ends up happening is the angel rolls it away, not to get Jesus out, but to let us see in that in fact, the tomb is empty. 
angel, if you might be a little uncomfortable with that since it's pretty supernatural kind of an event, but angels are really a, a, a common part of what's going on in the scriptures. Over 175 times in the New Testament, we read about angels. And it's noteworthy, I believe, that Matthew begins and ends his biography about Jesus with angels. Angels come and pronounce the birth of Christ, and then they're here now to announce the resurrection of Christ. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I love this phrase. We see it in the, with, from the angel. And then just a little bit more, we're going to see it of Jesus. Do not be afraid. It's said to be in the Bible more than any other command in scriptures. Over 300 times, not to fear, fear not, don't be afraid. John 14, 27 really captures the heart of Christ during the resurrection time when he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, what that angel probably would have said in Hebrew is a phrase, al-ti-rah, al tira, and I want to, to teach you how to, how to say something in Hebrew right now. So it's just al tira. so say it with me, al tira. Now, on the screen here, you guys that are watching, if you're under the age of 20, you'll say al T, and anybody over 20 says ra. Ready? al tira. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and they came to him and clasped his feet and worship him. Then Jesus said to them, Altirah, Altirah, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And now we see this capture of the resurrection and what's going on and and what are we to make of this what are what so what for us today and and actually Matthew gives us some some real help here in that we see particularly towards the end of Jesus's life but really in the gospel and other places we see Jesus an event will happen a question will be asked and then Jesus will answer it and explain it or something will happen and then he'll give an explanation of how to respond to it. And he does that very thing right after this um, account of the resurrection. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus says, do not fear. I'm gonna gather with you. I'll explain it to you. And what does he explain? This is what he says just a few verses later. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, as you, as you read this story and you hear this resurrection story once again, 
What is it that Jesus would say is the response to this? Well, I think it's at least three things. The first is this. Jesus has all power. I don't know what's going on in your life. There could be relational problems or vocational problems or health problems. Could be as simple as you're not even sure where you're going to go and have lunch on Easter. But I will tell you this, whatever it is, by demonstrating his power over death, he says nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. It was easy for him to defeat the grave. The rolled away stone now says that Jesus is no longer in the tomb and death cannot stop him or his children. This, this theme really stays throughout the rest of the New Testament is that they're going to, to grasp onto, if Christ can do this, then we have all power here. He has all power. We see it in Romans chapter one, verse four. And who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, men and women, I don't know. I don't know what has you tripped up. I don't know what you feel is holding you back. I don't know what it is that you think is too difficult for not only you, but for even God. Rest assured, death could not hold him. He has all power over all things. And that power is available to us. The second thing we see is Jesus kind of explains how should we respond to this wonderful news of the resurrection of Jesus. It's not only that Jesus has all power, but that Jesus has a plan. I don't know that you noticed it, but he says, therefore go. If all this is true, I have the power and I'm risen from the dead. Therefore, go and make disciples. I've got a plan how we're gonna work this thing out. Jesus gives us not only a mission, but a commission to be a part of what he is going to be doing in the world. I love the way that N.T. Wright kind of brought this to a head when he said, I know that God's new world of justice and joy, of hope for the whole earth was launched when Jesus came out of the tomb on Easter morning. And I know that he calls his followers to live in him by the power of his spirit. And so to be new creation people here and now, bringing signs and symbols of the kingdom to birth on earth as in heaven. The resurrection of Jesus and the gift of the spirit mean that we are called to bring real and effective signs of God's renewed creation to birth, even in the midst of our present age. I know it doesn't sound like a great plan, but his plan is to, to come into relationship with people that he loves and that love him. And then he's going to empower them and grow them and cooperate with who they are in such a way that they're invited, in fact, commissioned into the purposes of God. That we will bring real signs and symbols and authentication to the reality of Jesus. I know he could have done it better himself, could have written it in the sky and, and, and made it call his name into the winds. He's left it to you and I. His plan is this. His people, in the process of being transformed into Christ's likeness, 
will testify to the world of the reality of the resurrection and what it means for our world today. This rolled away stone 2,000 years ago means that Jesus is marching forward on his mission and he is calling us to march with him to reconcile the world to himself. Not only does Jesus have all power and he's got a plan, but thank goodness, he also makes a promise. The promise is that, and surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This, this word here for surely um, is really not, not strong enough. It's, it's, it's actually two words there that are lo and behold. It's like, and lo and behold. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like, can I get your attention? Can, I, can you pay attention right here? Be assured, rest in this. I am with you and you here is y'all. I am with y'all always to the very end of the age. Yes, I know. I know he's with us as individuals. But the promise that's here is that there is a special way that he is with us collectively. That the resurrection will call the people of God to come together and represent this plan and this power. And that our collective purpose, see, it's not just left to you alone. It's not left to just how well you work out your life. It's how we do, how we work out our lives and how the world sees that. The rolled away stone means that all are offered the peace of the gospel and the promise of Jesus is that he'll be with us forever. When the world seemed at its very darkest, when the world showed its ugliest face, and when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, bore the penalty of sin on our behalf, but more than that, defeated death and rose from the grave to show that his sacrifice was acceptable to the Father and that life forevermore is available to us. This past week, a dear friend challenged me with a couple of words to get me to settle into the Easter season and the coming of Resurrection Sunday. He asked me to do two things that I'm gonna ask of you. Now, just as a moment, calm the house, clear the noise. First thing I would ask you is just, just be still. Stop. Stop the wrestling with the other thoughts. Stop with the plans. Don't let them come in. Settle, settle, be still. Ruth Haley Barton has this image that the, that the human heart and the, the mind is like, it's like pond water. If you take a cup of pond water and it's all cloudy and stirred up, but if you'll leave it there long enough, it just start, it's, it finally starts to clear. Be still. Clear your mind. 
Henry Nouwen had this image that our minds, when we try to pray, our minds kind of become like a monkey in a banana tree, just jumping from bunches of bananas to bunches of bananas. We can't seem to settle. Be still. The resurrection is upon you. What would it mean for you to embrace the power of God in your life, the plan and the promise of Jesus. And now here's, as you've stilled, as you've settled, do you have the courage to be real? Do you have the courage to bring the real you before God? Not interested? Tell him. Too busy? Say so. Don't have time for him right now? Let it be known. But the reality is, that the resurrection is either some great hoax and conspiracy, some kind of a hallucination, or Jesus rose from the dead. And it's the most significant event, not only in history, but in eternity. Be real with it. Jesus didn't roll away the stone so he could get out. That part was easy. He didn't even need the stone moved. He rolled away the stone so we could see in. So that we could see he is risen. He is risen indeed. Allow the real you to sit before the love of of the Father. Let's pray together. All blessing and honor and glory are yours, O God. That when things seem completely at their worst, the stone was quickly rolled away, death was defeated, and hope was announced to the world in Jesus Christ. God, as we're still before you, would you give us the courage to be real and to embrace the reality of your love for us? May we not be afraid. May we recognize your power and your plan and then embrace the great peace of the promise of your presence in our lives when we embrace you by faith. May this weekend, this such an appropriate weekend be a time when we're finally slow down and be still before you. And as best we can, as real as we can get, tell you we love you. And we're thankful. Thankful, Father, for your love for us. In Jesus' name.